1: Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week, we'll be discussing esports, as always. Just a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice, as all the information is for educational purposes only. This week's guest is a competitive gamer, esports caster, and accountant for professional gamers, Caustics, who's of the esports organization, Dynamic Focus. Thanks for joining us.
2: Uh, Listen, Justin, thank you for having me, man. It's, It's great to be on the podcast.
1: My pleasure. So to start, tell us a bit about your esports journey. What was the first game you played, and how did you kind of transition to the competitive side of it?
2: Wow. Okay. So my first my first game that I took seriously was Two K Seventeen. Right, uh, and I, I loved playing it. You know, I'm I a big Two K
1: guy, so your music to my ears.
2: <laughs> Listen, I, I was I was in it deep. Uh, I was going to like every like local thing we had around here in New York. Um, we had an esports spot uh, like land center in called Waypoint in Queens, and I had managed to like snag a position as like representative of Queens for like 2K17 for that land center, uh, and like I just kept playing, and then when I stopped like being focused on 2K, I was like, man, I still love competing against people, you know. Maybe I should try some other games, um, uh, and I ended up trying out a, a game called For Honor. Uh, I ended up being like one of the best in the world for it. I was top four in New York. Uh, I was within the top 100 worldwide. Uh, I, that one brought me closer to just fighting games in general. Uh, and ever since then, I've just been a, a constant competitor. Um, and then I kind of I kind of like laid off competition a little bit as I started working more uh, and I started going to like production and commentary side of things. and that is what people mostly know me now for. Uh, it's just commentating. Um, Dragon Ball is probably my, is where I blew up. I will 100%, 100% say I blew up in Dragon Ball. Uh, I went from a, like a mid-level competitor uh, into doing commentary for like uh, for like the first time. And uh, yeah, I had like a viral, just a viral clip during a tournament. Uh, and the people were like, whoa, who is this guy? Let's get him on commentary more. Um, and this was during the pandemic so we were doing a lot of online commentary. Uh, so I kept doing it, you know, and people were loving it week in, week out. Uh, then Bandai Namco decides let's do like a regional tournament online for Dragon Ball. Uh, and they, they actually decided to have me commentate it, And it was like, this is a big jump from like where I was at. Cause I was, I was commentating out of my homeboy's apartment in the Bronx and, and it shouts to bum. Um, he's, he's the goat, He does a lot of great content. Um, and he put, he put me on, and I get to commentate the regional tournament. I commentate for the East Coast. Uh, and then eventually they give me another spot. I get to commentate for the West Coast. And they're like, yo, this guy is good wherever he goes. Uh, so then we have a national tournament uh, that basically includes, like, uh, the U.S., uh, Paris, and the other regions. Uh, and I get flown to Paris uh, to actually commentate, like, the national championship uh, the first time around. And I'm just like, oh my goodness this this is amazing! I love this uh, amazing
1: Well, that's yeah. you know what's kind of unpack some of that stuff? I think there's a lot there, so you know, kind of starting with the competitive side. so what kind of games did you compete in, and what would you say was your you know most memorable moment on moment on the competitive side
2: um so I so the games i love to compete with were originally sports games uh but then the minute i found fighting games i kind of like put sports games down especially because uh, sports games are more team based and i've i've found that I, I always like to focus on myself in the solo aspect so you know solo competition in fighting games just always enamored me more uh than team based games cuz in team based games it's nice but then like i like i like to say that i can only blame myself for losing right um so I think my most memorable moment has to be specifically in a tournament called Combo Breaker that happened over in Illinois, uh, and this is kind of a tournament, but it's kind of not. Uh, it's a regional crew battle between uh, Europe uh, and America, and I'm on, I'm actually on the team for America, uh, and I like sm- we like I smoke the team captain. For for France, like we me and him end up playing first, um, and I, I, I smoke him two two o clean, and I take one. It's like it's like a t- it's like a team battle, right? But inside there, like man, I still let someone know from overseas. I still got it because a lot of people were questioning at the time because I was doing a lot more commentary than playing. If I was still like you know decent at the game, but like that moment right there, I I kind of I did it to him, and I was like okay, that's that's a really good one for me. Amazing.
1: So it definitely sounds like you got a really good run out of that. So how'd you kind of first get into the commentating side? Was it just kind of you know going forward, or how'd that all transpire?
2: Okay. So the gaming for me, right, was probably it was it was always meant to be just a way for me to like relax, Uh, because not to like. So so I didn't really have much of a childhood growing up because my my mother and my father both got ill. Uh, like really early. So I've been working since I was probably like 14, 15. I used to work overnights in a laundromat uh, and then literally would go to school in the morning, like right after I finished uh, that shift. Um, And like, that's how I did it. Right. Uh, So for me, I never got to finish high school. Uh, I ended up dropping out to do a security job to, to, you know, work. But like I was like, man, I'm just like working myself to death. I didn't mind it because I was young, you know. And like, do you you always like if you especially when like you I wasn't the only child, but I was the youngest. But no one else lived with us, and I was the only child my mom and my dad specifically had together. So you know, I always felt this duty to kind of like I have to be the one to take care of my parents, you know. And there's was, that was really that was about it. So I I was I was working working a security job. Funny enough. Um, and I would go to like all five, all five boroughs, except Staten Island. I would not go to Staten Island. Uh, I'd say you can send me anywhere, just don't send me to Staten Island. Um, and then I, while I was still gaming, I figured out about. I was like, okay, there are locals that I could kind of like go to after my shift, you know? Because I people are social creatures. I need I need to spend some time with other people or just doing something I like. So I would literally go to tournaments in my security clothes like after a shift. And, like, if you look at, like, some of my early tournament matches, like, it's literally me in my security guard clothes. Um, and originally I had no idea of doing commentary. I was just going to play. Uh, I didn't even think about being competitive too hard, right? Like, I liked winning. Like, I didn't like losing. But, like, I didn't mind, you know, just adding money to the pot, you know, or being a pot monster, as they call as they call us. Um, but then sooner or later, like, I would, I would rag on people in the background of their matches, you know? I was I was a class clown a little bit too. So, so I would bring it into tournaments and people were like yo, this is hilarious. And then sooner or later, someone said, Yo, just give commentary a try, since you like already talking about the matches while you're right behind people. So I was like, you know what? I'll do it. Um I gave it a try out. People were like, okay, this is really good. And then, again, uh, my homeboy, Bum, he was the one hosting the tournaments at the time. And originally, I wasn't doing commentary for him. And then one day, like, he, uh, I asked him, I'm like, yo, can I, like, pull up? And I didn't even want to commentate. I was like, yo, can I just pull up for one of the tournaments? Because like he, he was hosting a series online. I said, can I pull up? Because, you know, I didn't really want to, like, just play at home or anything. Or I think I had a shift in the Bronx. And I was like, if I went home, I wasn't actually going to be able to make it for the tournament. Um so I was like, you know, let me let me see if I could just like make it true career. And he said, sure, fine. And then I commentated online from his uh from his house for the tournament. And uh that's it just blew up from there. That's when everything went good.
1: Amazing. So is there anything that you kind of learned from casting that you kind of used for competition or that you know has made you a better competitor?
2: Um, I will say from from casting, there's a certain amount of knowledge you need to have about your game. And I think 100 percent that has absolutely made me a, a better competitor uh, in multiple in multiple games, not just my own. Uh, like I'm still I still place uh, top sixty four almost consistently at any other tournament, um, if it's like a major. Um, and it's just I think having knowledge of fighting games in general uh, really helped me improve. And as a caster, uh, there's definitely a depth of knowledge you need to be able to draw upon when you're commentating. It does. It doesn't matter which game it is. It's like, you know, people want you to be knowledgeable. Of course, like you have to balance it with being funny and everything. But I think the knowledge aspect of it uh, has definitely helped me out in other games, especially because as a caster, you have to kind of understand what the players are doing. So I think trying to understand, especially when you consistently commentate high level people, uh, having to always understand their thought process Always just helps you in the long run because if I could always consistently understand what someone who's placing top eight is doing, uh, why would I not just apply those same thought processes to my gameplay?
1: Absolutely, I think that's you know a really unique kind of aspect of it. So, what do you like most about casting and commentating?
2: Uh, I definitely will say the the my favorite thing about it has been like meeting other people who like cast and commentate as well cuz there's always funny stories cuz we're not immediately in the tournament right so we're kind of background but then we're we're always vocal enough that uh people see us in the front right cuz you know you you're like casters technically in a lot of situations will get more screen time than any player could actually do uh simply because yeah cuz you're
1: on yeah. every single match
2: yeah i'm on every single match right i'm not always technically the main focus for every match but one every single match so we we have like this uh, this this like funny community of people whose job it is to make the game entertaining for other people to watch while at the same time being informative enough that we don't get called out or not knowing anything so when we get together like we just get to vent right or we'll just like go out drinking after event cuz like we'll, we'll do like oh we do shifts of like work at tournaments right and like people don't realize that like, you need a balance. Having insane information for the game, you can't just like laze about, right? You're hyper focused on what's happening, uh, and it, you can wear out your voice doing commentary, especially if you do like six hours straight or something like that. It is possible to to wear out your voice. So we like those moments after are like have been my favorites of like of like just relaxing and decompressing with other people who are, like, in the same boat as me, it's it's always been, like, one of my favorite things.
1: Right. It's kind of like that camaraderie that you have from kind of going through that battle, and now you're on the other side. And yeah. Victory. Yeah, uh, yes. Yeah, victory lap. The,
2: I, I think our favorite thing is when we hear about, yo, commentary was great at an event. Even if they don't mention a name, right? If they just say, in general, the commentary was great at an event, that is, like, the greatest feeling for me. Because it means, all right, I did my job. I can happily stop now. You know, we all did our job. We all killed it. Let's go out drinking, fellas. Let's do this. And boom.
1: Exactly. You left that impression. So what's the hardest part that you would say?
2: Oh, whew. all right. I think my hardest one specifically comes from the, the commentary I did in Europe. Uh, when you start traveling for commentary to like different regions, um, it's definitely a struggle when you my first time in like a foreign country. Like Paris isn't too bad because there's a lot of people who still speak English, but it's like, Oh well, shit. I'm in a country where people don't, my language is no longer the primary language. Right. Um, you, you do that. Uh, and you have to get used to different customs. I will specifically say this. Europe does not believe in like air conditioning the way America does. So for one of the tournaments, cause, cause I've been over there for like three tournaments now and, um, uh, so the second time was in the middle of a heat wave, and I'm just like, oh, man, uh, this is terrible because they don't do, like, heavy AC. So I think adjusting, uh, specifically on, like, the international level, adjusting is the hardest. But in terms of a more general level, I think balancing knowledge uh, for games is is the, is the biggest struggle.
1: Oh. Definitely, and, and a lot of the international, especially in Europe, those buildings are so old that they don't really have you know, AC <laughs>
2: units. That, that
1: that central Yo. AC wasn't invented back in the seventeen hundreds no. or eighteen
2: hundreds. No, it was not. It was absolutely not. Oh,
1: so what tips do you have for any you know aspiring casters, people trying to kind of get started on the voyage that you're on?
2: Um, I'd say my greatest tip: treat treat it like a conversation. Right? Uh, commentary is supposed to be a conversation between you and your fellow caster. I think if you can master just general speaking, that is the greatest way to kind of up your commentary skill. I'd say get used to just speaking, if, even if it's about nothing, right? Sometimes there's long blocks of dead air because something happens in the background behind production. Get used to being able to just fill a room. With your voice, or just being able to fill a conversation for a couple of minutes. Yeah. You know?
1: Definitely, right? Because it's, it's sometimes the entertainment business this is live entertainment. So, you know, if things happen, you have disconnects or someone's headset oh, doesn't we, work. Uh, we've
2: had some issues. I've had a game break down, but we can't like go to a break or commercial. So we sat there for like 30 minutes just talking about stuff. And, and I listen, sometimes it all happened, you know?
1: Definitely. So in addition to competing and casting, you actually work on the business side of the esports and gaming world as an accountant. So tell us a bit about that. You know, what are some tax pitfalls that gamers should look out for? You know, maybe some common write-offs that maybe they're not aware of and should be.
2: Um, all right. So common write-offs that that gamers need to be looking at that I'm, I'm actually surprised that most gamers don't realize this. especially if you stream or compete you need to be looking to write off games you buy, especially when you stream them, right? And the
1: in-game merch, all that stuff. In, Microtransactions. In-game merch,
2: in-game merch, skins, all that. You need to be looking at like every single thing that you buy. Because if it goes towards your stream, right? You stream anything and you had to pay money for that, you should be looking at as to whether you can be consider that as a write-off. Right. There's certain rules, but like if you have a, a dedicated tax preparer or someone who, who prepares and they know what they're doing on at least on the esports and gaming side, they should be telling you, listen, how many skins did you buy in Overwatch? How, how many battle passes did you buy this year because you needed to do it for your stream? Right? Uh or you need to make it
1: for content video based on it.
2: Exactly. If you're if you're making monetary content, Right, whether that be through streaming, even TikTok. TikTok or any other site where you're monetizing your content, you need to be looking at anything that you use to create that content. I, I have a creator who who uh, bought a bed. But I was like, Okay, did you use that? I was and like, it was a very special bed. I was like, Okay, did you ever make any any like TikToks or anything about how nice this new bed is or something like that? He was like, Funny enough, I made like two. I was like, guess what we're writing off? Is This is bad. I'm like, you got to be able to have someone who like thinks like it, uh, who thinks like in terms of what, uh, what the industry holds or has a semblance of thought about what can be done in this industry. It's uh, part of why I got into it. Because originally I was doing taxes uh, just because I needed a seasonal job. Um, and I was like, okay, what's something I could get into uh, really quickly? And I was like, okay, taxes is good. I kind of wanted to know where my own money was going.
1: Right, it's just math problems.
2: Yeah, it's math. If math problems, and then like as, at certain points, it ceases to become math problems. And it's like once you get the hang of it, it's more like reading problems. Uh, it becomes a right. They just change yeah. the
1: forms, and you have to put stuff differently.
2: Exactly. I'm like now it's just you got to be able to read the form, know what the publication is referring to, and boom, now you change up everything. You're good. So. So that was that was the reason I got into it and then I realized you know there's an untapped industry in terms of like content creators, eSports, gamers who all have taxes to do because you know there's only two certainty in life different taxes. Uh, and I'm like there's uh, there weren't people there's not a lot of people, I will say that are kind of um, giving this market what it needs in terms of attention and care. So I said, okay, I'm completely down to like tailoring myself to making sure that if people need an esports uh, accountant or tax professional, I can be able to do that job.
1: I mean, as someone who's, you know, been involved in this, you know, written about it, teach about these kind of aspects and, you know, familiar with some of the other ones, I think it's, you know, essential. I've seen, you know, players coming to me that they won, you know, a six-figure check from Fortnite and a third of it just disappears. It's like, <laughs> yeah, well, if you would have you know had your hotel and you know all these other kind of yep, things and your training yep. sessions and your new pc that you bought and all this other stuff yeah like you wouldn't have it wouldn't have been as big a loss as you thought it would be so it's just you, you know you understanding know,
2: you, it i will tell one of my trade secrets that are, that are usually like a special one i like to do i tell people uh you're whenever you gift twitch subs right as a creator that's those are advertisement expenses, right? Every, right it's
1: marketing. It's hype. So, it's out uh-huh. there. You know, your, community your name, engagement. Your name,
2: your name literally goes across someone else's stream and they say your name after you gift them a sub. If that is not an advertisement expense mm-hmm. or a marketing expense, I, I just guess I don't know what marketing is.
1: Right, and it's kind of a community engagement kind of thing where it's like, mm-hmm. I'm you know, that's a marketing, that's promotion. It's you know, it's maybe not what you think about putting in a newspaper ad, but you know, getting your name on sixty thousand people with Nick Merckx, thats probably yeah, less yeah, that's yeah. demographic that you're going to
2: get. <laughs> in exactly. What do you you do? You give like ten gifted subs to Nick Merckx, and he says, "Oh man, thank you, whatever your name is." And then all the other people in the chat like drop Poggers or Pog Champ afterwards. I'm like. While they're tagging you, I'm like that. That's great engagement right there. That's beautiful,
1: right? And I think it's one of these things where you have to have someone, and you know, as you know, an attorney in this field, kind of seeing a similar lane. There are just certain things that you just understand from you know a content creator perspective, a streamer, you know a pro player, a cast or a coach, any of these talent you know that are in these specific industries, there are just things that are related to it, whether it's you know the new equipment, it's the paid boosts and the you know how you have to pay to have Instagram you know boost your content or you know, yeah. YouTube ads or any of this stuff like this is all marketing and it's understanding how you document it and declare it. And then how that impacts your income, and you know, I think, you know, it's one of these areas. Same with how you know lawyers and you know legal representation can help you with contracts and you know LLCs and trademarks and you know visas and all these other business matters. This is kind of the other side of it: is now once you're making money and doing it right, how do you maximize your income? How is you as a small business, you know, a, a creator, this self-funded, you know, self-sustaining entity? How do you maximize what you're doing and to get the best, you know, return for your business, which is yourself?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, what advice do you have
1: for anyone trying to kind of work in the esports business?
2: Um, I people don't usually like to hear this word, or they they think like uh kind of like suspiciously about it. I tell people, uh. Was it networking, networking, networking? Right. You got to be willing to like put yourself out there and meet other people who are also in your field if you want to get stuff done. Um, like the way I ended up meeting you, I went to I went to one of the the networking parties uh, over at Brooklyn, and I was like, oh yeah, absolutely. Let's talk. Give me a card. We'll, we'll link up on Twitter, something, you know? Uh, you have to be willing to put yourself out there. Uh, my dad always said a closed mouth uh, does not get fed. So, like, open your mouth, talk to the right people. Um, you, some skill that you're offering, right? Sooner or later, is going to be something that someone else is interested in. Like, you always have something to offer other people. Uh, so, don't be afraid to, to just go out there and talk. Because at worst, at the worst thing that happens is, all right, I'm not offering you what you want, and then that's about it. Then we just go our separate ways.
1: Definitely, I mean, I think that's amazing advice, and it's you know, I kind of echo the same sentiment of you know, putting yourself out there, going to these you know events, whether it's you know these big LAN tournaments or you know conferences, seminars, you know, anywhere where you can engage with your peers, there's going to be you know, conversations that are going to help you. There's going to be introductions. You're going to kind of put a face to a name that you might have seen in a little bubble on Instagram or LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. But until you really engage with them, you don't really know who they are. And I think, you know, by putting yourself out there, that's, you
2: know, really the only way to experience it. Yep, yep. That I agree with that 100% right there. Like, I I originally, like, no one really thought of me being able to, like, do commentary or or at least doing it to the level where I am now. But it's like I, I told people my craft and then I constantly just kept talking and talking to other people. Right. Uh, the the people who recognize me overseas, they're like, yeah, you know, we, we saw you were like. And then, like, uh, I reached out to them. They reached out to me and, and it just works out. You know, so you don't know where your next big break might come from in your line of work. So don't be afraid to just reach out.
1: A hundred percent, so what's your favorite part about working in the eSports and gaming space?
2: Um I, I think my favorite part has to be like, so far, I had these moments where I like randomly get recognized at events, right? And they're like they're the type of events that, as a kid, I always wanted to be able to go to. I think getting recognized at those type of events is specifically what really gets to me. um, like recently, I got to go to Dreamhack Atlanta. Which is why I ended up missing like our other our other meetup uh, was literally because I was on the plane to Atlanta. Um and they had me do uh a, a panel for like e- introduction into esports and commentary uh and a lot of stuff like that. And uh I got to I got recognized by like like five people. I was over there. They're like, oh, your acoustics, I love your work. And I think like, even if it's just like five people to to get randomly recognized, like nice. outside. Did you get the selfie or just the hey? I got, I got, I got like uh, they wanted photos, everything. I signed nice. another guy's thing. Like he brought his stick and he was like, "Please, bro, can you sign it?" I'm like, "Oh my goodness!"
1: Wow, that's arrived. amazing! Just, Isn't that yeah. amazing? When it's like the stuff that you're witnessing now, you're kind of living it.
2: Yeah. Bro, I used to like grow up watching like Spike TV, um, the gamer competitive shows that they had on like the sci-fi channel. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm I'm kind of like almost in this industry where where I gotta like get to do some of the things that I used to just watch guys on TV do. And like it's it's amazing.
1: Well, definitely sounds like, you know, the future is bright. So kinda tell us a little about it, you know, to bring it towards the end, you know, where are you going from here? What does the future hold?
2: Um, right now I've just been focusing on like building the brand, uh, and reaching out to people. Like right now I'm at like, uh, I'm at like a a following of like, just on Twitter alone is about like over 6,800. Uh, I've been streaming on Twitch. That one has like over 3000 and I'm like, okay, now it's like, now it's time to like kind of up the tier of content that I'm making. Cause I've spent so much time, you know, doing commentary for other people. I'm like, all right, well, where's the... I need to start taking the time to focus on myself. Uh, so I've been working a lot here at home in New York, especially like with Brooklyn, to kind of start doing a series of like just events, you know, where now it's like, it's my name and brand on top of those. And uh, that's kind of what I'm just working towards, you know, just building building the empire, I so to speak. We're in the empire building phase.
1: Amazing. Well, I'm definitely excited to, you know, see how we're, our, our empires are going to link up and
2: grow. Yes. But-
1: yeah. You know, as a bonus question, I I know you're an avid Marvel Snap fan, and you know <laughs> as well. So do you think there's a potential for an esports scene? I've been talking to some other industry people and the developer. I, like, think
2: I I think Earth it is Jones, so and it possible. I think it is so possible. I've literally been like thinking of ideas of how you could do competitive. Where like- well, I think you start with a
1: cube race where it's like and during a certain time, bring an hour and a half, two hours, how many cubes you, you know, win or lose. And it's like, you're just kind of playing to kind of, do you play quick? Do you, you know, slow play to get more? Do you, you know, tap fast every time so you play more games? Like, you know, yep. how does that come into play? Like a I- kill race war zone.
2: A kill race war zone is, is something I definitely think could happen because remember it's playable on Steam, so I think there's a land a, a land possibility of doing a kill race with like cube games cube game on that. Uh, I thought of even like competitive tournaments where you have you can craft three decks going into a match and you do first to you do a first to three, uh, where after a win or a loss with that deck you can't use that deck again. So, so I would think. Interesting. Would interesting. So you keep
1: changing up stuff each time.
2: Exactly. So because lo- think about it, the map always changes where Marvel snaps. So I think the competitive scene should have something that kind of reflects that that like aspect of the game within the competitive as well. Yeah,
1: the location just throws everything off.
2: I I love it. Is is I think location is probably like. One of my favorite things about the game, because knowing how location interacts with certain character abilities is like, that is the difference between you just getting smoked or like you taking advantage of something ridiculous about your deck.
1: 100%. So, you know, definitely bullish to see where that goes. So keep my Mm -hmm. ears and eyes open and, you know, trying to get stuff going. So to bring it all together, i like to end with my three questions. So what's your favorite game to watch?
2: Uh, my favorite game to watch has to be uh, hmm, this this one's a pretty harsh one. Uh, I think specifically this month it's been uh, it's a fighting game called Blaze Blue, like Central Fiction, or like probably not even just for this month, like this last these last couple of months. Uh, Blaze Blue Central Fiction is probably like my favorite game to watch and commentate. Um. It's just so much fun. The the game, even though it's a little bit on the older side, it was definitely, like, way ahead of its time. The people who play in the community are highly dedicated. And it's, if you ever get the chance to see it, it's just OD. It's, like, it's an amazing game.
1: Amazing. So what's your favorite game to play?
2: My favorite game to play is probably League of Legends. Uh, I've literally... this okay, so this a real eSport. A real sport. I've played um we were doing uh an extra life tour, uh like thing for charity. I played League of Legends for over like 24 hours. So, like straight. So so yes, I I very much like League of Legends.
1: Amazing. So who's your favorite video game character?
2: Uh Cole McGrath from the Infamous series.
1: Okay. So, you know, thank you so much for joining us. This was, you know, really insightful and exciting to have you. So tell everybody where they can connect with you and find out what you're doing.
2: Uh, listen, I tell people all the time, I share anything that I'm doing on Twitter. That is the quickest way to get in touch with me. If you want to DM me, it is uh, Koustics. That's K-O-U-S-T-I-C-S. Uh, I also stream on Twitch. So it's the same name, Koustics. Uh Also, I'm on Instagram. I'm using it more now. I never really liked it. Uh, my excuse, I always told people I'm not pretty enough for Instagram. Uh, but so many people I in I just industry, post other
1: stuff. I'm not in my pictures
2: yeah yeah. so so you guys can find me on Instagram it's NY. someone else has Acoustics. I try to message them but I think it's a bot account they never answer <laughs> uh, and then I'm also on Metafy uh, I'm one of Metafy's uh, coaches so if people want to hit me up there I teach shoutcasting and Dragon Ball Fighters um, so that's the other thing
1: so check him out if you're trying to get on your Goku and Gohan grind see what's going on with my man and so, you know, thank you so much for joining us again. And if you want to make sure to follow me on Twitter, Justin J E S Q. Check Apple Podcasts
0: for all our past episodes. Okay, okay,
2: man, Justin, thank you for having me so much,
0: huh? Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe.